This is Saving Grace, Living in the Light of God's Love, a broadcast ministry of Grace Center for Spiritual Development and Grace School of Theology, a seminary to the world, committed to the truth of Scripture and life application through the lens of grace. And now, our program. Hello, I'm Carmen Pate, your host for today's program. Is Jesus the Messiah? Well, as Christians, we are certain that he is, but are we prepared to defend what we believe? What did the people of Jesus' day expect from the coming Messiah when Christ walked on earth? What does that unique role mean to followers today? Well, Mark Ray is back with us to continue our series on the uniqueness of Christ with a look at Christ's unique role as Messiah, the Anointed One. Mark is Vice President of Community Development here at Grace and the Executive Director of the Grace Center for Spiritual Development. Mark holds a Master of Biblical Studies from Dallas Theological Seminary, a Master of Divinity and a Doctorate of Ministry from Grace School of Theology. He has served churches as an Associate Pastor and as a Lead Pastor and he served as COO of a major evangelistic ministry. Welcome back, Mark. Thank you so much, Carmen. Great to be here. (laughs) So glad to have you back. Well, let's start, if we could, by defining the word Messiah, and more importantly, the expectations of people in that day for the prophesied Messiah. Sure. Great, great question. Let's start with that word Messiah, because many times there's there's some misunderstanding related to that. So let me give you Unger's Bible Dictionary, one of the authorities. Unger's Bible Dictionary defines it this way as anointed. Very simple phrase, anointed. But when you start looking at Old Testament, New Testament passages, what comes out of it is he's the Mashiach in the Hebrew. He is the Christos in the Greek or Christ. He's, he's called the seed of Abraham, the son of David, the son of man, my son, my servant, by the father, my chosen one, the branch, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. These are the, the phrases that surround the statement of Messiah. He is the anointed one, the one we're waiting for, the one we look for. Um, and the expectation, for, especially for the Jews, the expectation was this is the one who's going to make it all right. Yeah. So make it all good. Uh, he is the one that has been prophesied and the one who is to come. Mm-hmm. So in just kind of dropping that down, especially if you look in the Old Testament, you see passages in Genesis, in Deuteronomy, Second Samuel, uh, uh, multiple Messianic Psalms in the Psalms, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, Zechariah, Haggai, Malachi. You get yeah. multiple places in the Old Testament that speak of the Messiah. And speak yes. of the Messiah in Jewish and Gentile language. Mm-hmm. So the open door of the Messiah, this was not one little thing that nobody knew. Right. This is a very well-known concept. And the Jews were waiting and looking for God to fulfill that prophetic statement that the Messiah was going to come. Highly anticipated. <clears throat> Highly anticipated. Uh, no question about it. Well, and we can we can relate to the anticipation as we look back for his second yes. coming, you know, his return. So, yes. uh, so we can certainly understand that. Well, you know, Jesus had conversations daily with the people, the disciples, the Pharisees, the religious authorities, the crowds. He didn't hide the fact that he was the <laughs> Messiah. Uh, in, in some of the conversations, he was very open about it. So could we look at a few of those examples from Luke, Mark? Sure. Luke unfolds that 
Um, Luke talks very specifically about who Jesus is. Probably the most significant passage comes out of Luke chapter 4. Jesus quotes Isaiah 61 in Luke chapter 4. He's in the temple. He goes over, he picks up the scrolls, and he reads this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Mm, The anointed one. To preach the gospel to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and to recover sight of the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So great. He's quoted Isaiah. Wonderful. He knows the book of Isaiah. But then he does the most fascinating thing. He rolls up the scroll. He goes to take a seat. And he says to the people in the temple at the time, today... This scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, today, that's me. I am the one that you have been looking for since the days of Isaiah. It's me. Nowhere in scripture do you hear Jesus go, oops, I take that back. (laughs) No. 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 As a matter of fact, Luke, in, in in a statement to John's disciples, John the Baptist's disciples, he says, You, you see that I've cured many of infirmities, afflictions, evil spirits, and to many I've given sight to the blind. He talks about it on the road to Emmaus with the two men there. He talks yeah. about it to the Samaritan woman. He talks about it multiple times to the disciples. You may have heard in the past, Jesus never claimed to be. Yeah. Well, that's just not true. No. Multiple no. places did Jesus not only claim it, the important thing is he backed it up. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, so that passage in Isaiah, which really lays out this is who the Messiah is and this is what he's come to do. Yeah. That was Jesus' mission statement. This is his statement of who I am and what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. And he takes it directly from Old Testament scripture. Oh, love it. Well, we talked in earlier programs in the series about the actions of Jesus aligning with who he said he was. Uh, that he like in in re- previous program the fact that he shared equality with God and mm-hmm. that was a, a wake up call to right. to all who heard him. Well, certainly his miraculous deeds, along with Old Testament prophecies, pointed to Christ as Messiah. But tragically, the first century Jews missed his significance. How did they miss it, Mark? It's a great question. The best we can decipher is this. They had a specific view out of Old Testament prophecy that the Messiah would come back as a conquering king. The Messiah would show up, descendant of David, the most successful conquering king in the history of of Israel. Yes, yes. And he was an offshoot. He's a descendant. We know that from the book of Ruth. He's a descendant. The um, looking at what their ec- expectation was is that he would come as a conquering king. He would come and remove the oppression that was on the nation and basically restore the nation of Israel to its rightful place. We're number one. We're, yeah. We're it. Yeah. What they didn't understand was that the Messiah first had to come as a sacrifice, mm-hmm. not as a warrior king, but as a saving servant. Mm-hmm. He had to come differently. And in, I, I've said this on, on many occasions in the past. They expected him to come conquer their enemies, mm. and he did. But he conquered the enemy of sin. Yeah, That was the oppression that he came to take off of people mm. so that they could have an intimate yes. relationship with God of the universe, which is what God wanted all the way back to the garden from that time on. Yes, he did. So this is what he actually came to do. And the reason they missed it was their expectation was mm-hmm. 
the Messiah would come riding in on a white horse. Yeah. He would vanquish the enemy and make Israel number one again. Again, what they didn't understand was that he was going to come in as a suffering servant. He was going to vanquish the enemy, death, sin, Satan. He was going to vanquish all of that so that the relationship with the Father would be open and available to all. Yes. The secondary part of that is he is going to come back yeah. as that conquering hero yes, at he some is. point. Yes, on time. that white horse. Yes, on that white horse. <laughs> he certainly is. He certainly is. You know, there's so many examples of those who witnessed Christ and claimed that he was the promised Messiah. The apostles, uh, Matthew, John, Luke, they made reference in their books. John made reference to uh, Andrew, Philip, and Nathaniel's first meeting with Christ in John 1. And that's an interesting encounter. Uh, talk about that, if you will. Well, let me first of all say he has made um, all of these people have witnessed him. All of these people have talked about the promised Messiah. Yeah. Uh, you're missing one great theologian. Mm. Do you remember in the Christmas story, Charlie Brown and Linus? <laughs> yes, yes. I, I love the fact that, uh, that Charles Schultz built into this back in the uh, 1960s. What he built yeah. into it is... What is Christmas all about? Uh, and Linus stands up and quotes Luke chapter 2. This is who he is. Oh, it's a this favorite. This is the Savior. So even out of the mouths of babes, uh -huh. we can understand who Christ was and what he came to do. But wow. at his introduction, he, here's this interesting statement, this interesting um, uh, circumstance that occurs where Jesus now comes. And the first thing that happens, I'm going to read out of John chapter okay. 1. Uh -huh. uh, Andrew first finds his own brother Simon. And he says to him, we found the Messiah. Now, just just stop for a mm. minute and think about what he has just said. We have found the one we've been waiting for. We have found the anointed one. We found mm. the one that Isaiah talks about. We found the one that the Old Testament, all those passages that I listed yeah, earlier, all yeah. those Old Testament. They knew the Old Testament mm -hmm. because they'd heard it over and over and over again. And now Andrew says, we found him. Yeah. We found him. We found the one uh, that we've been waiting for. Mm. So we found him. He brings him to Jesus. Jesus looks at him and says, you're Simon, son of Jonah. Now understand, he hasn't introduced himself yet. Yeah. Jesus just says, that's who you are. And by the way, I'm going to change your name. <laughs> you're going to be called Peter. Uh -huh. So we get a name change uh -huh. as his true self. Philip and Nathaniel then, the following day, Jesus goes to Galilee. He finds Philip and he says to him, follow me. Notice that he does. Mm -hmm. We move from there. Philip uh, was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip finds Nathaniel, says to him, we found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets wrote. Now, when you hear the law and the prophets, just a little Old Testament study, if you mm -hmm. hear the words the law and the prophets, what they're talking about is the totality of the Old Testament writings. Mm -hmm. So here's the one that all of the Old Testament talks mm -hmm. about. Mm -hmm. We found him, the one the Old Testament has talked about. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now just think about that for a minute. The one that the entire Old Testament, the one we've been waiting for, that he's from Nazareth, and he's yeah. the son of a carpenter. Yeah. How does that make sense? Yeah, exactly. He's not, this isn't the white horse. Yeah. This isn't the conquering king. Nathaniel says to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Well, it was, it was a backwater town. Yeah, yeah. And I love what Philip says. You come and see. Mm -hmm. Come and take a look. Mm -hmm. Basically, kick the tires, light the fires, <laughs> see if this is the guy that we're, see if I'm, I'm telling the truth. Yeah. Jesus sees Nathaniel coming toward him. He says, behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no deceit. He calls him out rightly. 
Has he been introduced to him yet? No. Not yet. Calls him out rightly. Nathaniel says, how do you know him? Jesus says, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw, saw you. you. Yeah. How could you have seen me? You couldn't even see the fig tree. I don't understand this. I don't understand who this is. Nathaniel answered and said to him, teacher, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. <clears throat> Just in this brief encounter, four or five people come to know him yeah. as the Messiah, mm -hmm. the one we're waiting for. Has he conquered anybody yet? No. Has he slashed his sword yet? Is there a white horse around anywhere? Yeah. No. That's not what he first came to do. He first came to conquer men's hearts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's just beautiful. I love that. Love that. Well, you know, throughout Christ's ministry on earth, from beginning to end, his role as the Messiah was repeated again and again. For some, it took the tearing of the veil at the crucifixion of Christ to believe. Uh, but remind our listeners of that character that Mark mentioned in his writings. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because it's a fascinating, uh, fascinating study. Mark chapter 15, verses 37 through 39. Let me read it. Mm -hmm. Jesus cried out with a loud voice and breathed his last. Then the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. So when the centurion who stood opposite him saw that he cried out like this and breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was the son of God. Now, let me point out a couple of really important things yeah. in this passage. First, Jesus cried out with a loud voice. Now think of everything that he's been through. Ah, the beatings, right. the whippings, the humiliation, hanging on a cross for hours, everything torn out mm. of him, and yet he cries out. That is what, what you usually saw when somebody was crucified is they breathe their last and they die. It's a very painful, slow death. Mm. Jesus cries out, and in the Greek that really is a triumphant cry. Mm. He cries out. And then he breathed his life. Who's in control here? Mm, boy, he gave up his spirit. He yes. breathed his last. He chose the time in which he was to end it. He says it with a loud voice. Veil of the temple torn in two. We talked about that earlier. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and it's yep. torn from top to bottom. So when the centurion, now just imagine who the centurion is for mm. a moment. He's been on the hillside. Yeah. He may have been, he may have followed him all the way up to Via Dolorosa. He may have followed him all the way to the top to Golgotha. He's standing there and he's witnessed everything that's happened. Everything. Mm -hmm. So here's what he's heard. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. He's heard. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm -hmm. He's heard. Mary, here's your son. John, here's your mother. He's heard. I'm thirsty. He's heard all of this. And ultimately, he hears this, and we don't get it in the Mark passage, but we get it in Luke. He cries out, it is finished. That's a triumphant cry, and what he's not saying is, my life is over. No. no. He's saying, the work is done. Yes. I have completed what I came to do. What the Father sent him to do. Yes. yes. So we get a centurion. Is he a believer? Mm. No. Is he, is he even Jewish? <laughs> no. He's an innocent bystander who witnesses Christ loving on people and ministering to people from his death cross. Yeah, yeah. And he says, that, mm. that is the Son of God. That's what God should be like. Yeah. That's, that's who I want to believe in. I'm, I'm 
putting words yeah. in his mouth here, but he doesn't say that. But truly, this man was the Son of God. Truly, this man is exactly yeah. who he said he was. Now, notice, got a sword anywhere around? Mm. Got a white horse anywhere around? No. Yeah. And yet, by how he treated people from the cross, we get this statement from the centurion, a non-believer mm-hmm. who had no reason to believe him at all. Yeah, yeah. And yet, how Christ ministered and how he ministers to us today we get that statement, this is who he was. He is who he said he was. Mm. Wow, I love that story. Well, you know, we don't want to overlook the spiritual realm in this because we know um, Christ was was recognized as the Messiah. Uh, We all recall the angels' claims at the birth of Christ, but even the demons recognize Jesus as a Messiah. And, you know, that may need clarification, Mar, because it doesn't mean that they believed Jesus for salvation. I've had so many people ask me if that's what it means. Could you, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. My thoughts are exactly what you just expressed. (laughs) So the demons believed in him. They believed he was the Messiah. What they didn't believe in is the work of Christ and salvation. And as a matter of fact, here's the interesting part. Go all the way back to Genesis 3, where the first time the gospel is presented, Genesis 3.15. Yes. Christ will voluntarily expose his his heel and the serpent will bite his heel. But he will then, by exposing his heel, he will crush the serpent. Mm -hmm. That phrase, that understanding is that Jesus voluntarily will go to the cross. And by that, he will destroy Ultimately, he will destroy Satan by his death on the cross. The demons believed he was the Son of God. Satan believed he was the Son of God. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that they believed in what he did and what he would do and in salvation. They knew him to be that. Yes. But knowing and translating to faith in him, completely different story. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, They didn't have faith in him. No. And they didn't see a need for a Savior. Uh, yeah, and I would even put in this in this realm, not even seeing the need for a Savior, but being anti yeah. against a Savior. Well, true. We, right. we want to control it. We, we have the power, mm-hmm. which is exactly mm-hmm. what Satan did. Pride is what, what, it's what it does. cast him out, and it's exactly what it is. I don't need God. I don't need you. I don't mm-hmm. need a Savior. Couldn't be more wrong. Mm-hmm. And so Satan and the demons don't... That whole side of faith... Um, holds no water with them simply because they don't see the need for faith. Yes, yes, yes. Very good, very good explanation. You know, more important than the recognition of Christ as Messiah is the response of the people. Uh, their lives were changed, and and they lived like they believed what you know what they had discovered about Jesus. Uh, share a couple of examples, if you will, because uh, I, I think just the response is something that we really need to uh, apply to our own lives and what in, in our response. Well, it's a great question. Let me let me kind of walk you through New Testament passages. Um, after Jesus walks on the water, Matthew fourteen, those who were in the boat came and worshipped him. Yeah. That's transformation. Mm-hmm. They weren't worshiping him before. They're now worshiping him. Truly, you're the son of God. Boy, does that sound familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, in John 9, 
Jesus heard they'd cast, uh, uh, he finds this guy, says, do you believe in the Son of God? He answers and says, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in? This is when the blind man, uh, yes. um, Jesus says, you've both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. And he said, I believe, and he worshiped him. So Jesus heals the blind man. The blind man says, I don't know who you are. He says, I'm the Messiah. I believe. Worship. I yeah. worship you. Uh, the women at the tomb, they come down. They behold Jesus, rejoice. They came back. They've worshiped him. Now seeing the resurrected Messiah. Disciples at the resurrection, when they saw him, they worshiped him. Coming into contact with the risen Christ, coming into contact with this one who is the Messiah, mm -hmm. leads us, if we fully understand who he is and what he has done, leads us to that transformative state of I'm going to worship him because he is worthy of worship. Um, the disciples at the Ascension, they worshiped him and they returned with great joy. Mm. You think about the uh, think about the shepherds at the birth. Mm, yeah. They go down and they come back worshiping, worshiping. and praising God because mm -hmm. they've now seen the Messiah. Um, all will worship. Philippians uh, 2 tells us everybody's going to bow down. Every knee's going to mm -hmm. bow. We will all worship him. Um, the other, the other side of it, and I love this one out of John 16, and in that day you will ask me nothing, most assuredly I say to you, whatever you ask, the Father in my name he'll give to you. Till now you've asked nothing in my name, ask and you'll receive that your joy may be made, may be made full. All of a sudden, because mm -hmm. of him, mm -hmm. prayer takes on a whole new meaning. Yes, yes. Um, and, and I think it's interesting, <laughs> I love this little statement, before now, you've never asked anything. In my name, I'm now the source of how that asking comes to the Father. Ah, that's so, an interesting point. I hadn't really thought about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And, and so contacting with Christ transforms us mm -hmm. into worshiping, praying people. Mm -hmm. And I think that's that may be the way to, yeah. to look at this, yeah. um, that lives are changed. And, and I love the way you put it in here, and they live like they believed it. Yes. Very convicting statement. Mm -hmm. Do I? live like I believe he is the Messiah. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's very convicting. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Well, and not only believing in him, but believing him, yes. believing what he says, believing what he tells us in the word and the promises. And the, I mean, how critical is that to our day to day walk? Yes. With with the, with the Messiah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, John 20, 30 through 31 says, and truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which were not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. You know, I have no doubt, I never like to assume that everyone listening to this program is a believer in Jesus Christ. Uh, speak to those who just happened to tune in today or thought they would check it out. They've heard things today that they didn't know or hadn't heard in the way we shared them today. Uh, speak to those listeners about this opportunity. Let me let, let me land the plane. All right, please do. <laughs> On this particular segment. Yeah. Um, so first, before I talk to the ones who may have been not heard this for the first time, let me talk to those who are believers, and let me put that convicting question before all of us. Do I live like I believe 
Jesus is the Messiah. He's the indwelling Messiah in me. Do I live in such a way that I reflect to the world that I believe mm. in Jesus as the Messiah? It's a great double check to really take a look at my own life and see what's there. If I don't know mm. Jesus, first question I would ask is, do you sin? Mm. It's a pretty common thing to say, yeah, yeah I, I understand that. I understand what sin is. I've done wrong. Mm -hmm. Do you understand what Christ did to forgive you of that sin? Do you understand his going to the cross? As we talked last time, the breaking of his body, yeah. the shedding of his blood, so that those sins can be forgiven. Do you understand that? Do you understand that the Messiah can live in you? You can have a life that is being led yeah. by the one who loved you so much that he came to die for you. Mm -hmm. And do you understand that you can never lose that love? Simple trust and faith in what Jesus has done for you can bring you into the relationship with the Messiah that opens the door to the very throne room of God. Simple trust and faith in Christ gives you that yeah. relationship with him for all eternity. Yes, yes. And when we talk about the uniqueness of Christ, he's the only one that can do that for us. Hey, well, and he's the only one who's ever claimed. <laughs> That's right. Now, listen again to John 20. Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. First of all, to believe who he is. He is who he said he is the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. The second part of that is not only saying He is who He said He is, but He did what He said He was going to do. Mm -hmm. If I can trust those two things, I can trust that by believing in Him, I can have eternal life. And, and, and the other thing we need to say is that it's not by adding any works. None at all. None. Because still, Mark, you can ask the man on the street, if you died today, would you go to heaven? Well, I think I've been good enough. Yes. I think I've been good enough. Did I balance the scales so yeah. there's more good and bad? That's not yeah. the issue. Not going to be it. Only by, only by faith. Yes. Uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing that we've been given. Well, Mark, this has just been another very insightful program, and I know one that has uh, prompted our listeners to think about do they live as though they believe? And if they don't believe, I pray that they've made that uh, uh, choice today in, yes. in choosing Jesus. Thank you so much. My for, pleasure. For this My pleasure. insight. Well, now we know that what Jesus said regarding his being the Messiah, we know what others said about him and what they did as a result of knowing. But the most important question is, who do you say that Jesus is? Do your actions reflect what you believe? Our prayer is that you will continue to grow in your knowledge and your love for Jesus. To help you with that, we're making available a free study guide for this entire series called The Uniqueness of Christ. Download yours today at gsot.edu forward slash center. Many are finding the study guides offered are great for personal and small group study. You can also find this series on Grace on Demand on the Grace app. Check it out. Thanks for joining us today. And remember, the love of Christ can never be earned and can never be lost. You've been listening to Saving Grace. For more information about Grace Center for Spiritual Development or this program, 
visit our website at gsot.edu slash center or download the Grace app through your smartphone. Views expressed on this program may not always be the views of Grace School of Theology or its leadership.